fall, we're talking about trying to find balance in an age of extremes. Because I think uh, what I've discovered in life as I've gotten older is, you know, we tend to, to focus on one thing at a time. And sometimes the place of real health, the place of maturity, the place of, of real sanity is not by focusing on one thing at a time, but by figuring out a way to to find the right spot between multiple goods, between multiple values. And today, we're going to talk about balancing working and resting, finding the balance between work and rest. And our text comes from the Ten Commandments. You're familiar with the Ten Commandments. Maybe you've heard of them. Commandment number four is actually the one that's the longest in terms of the explanation that goes with it. You know, a lot of them are short, like, uh, you know, do not murder, do not steal, do not commit adultery. They're kind of kind of uh, straightforward. But then when he comes to commandment four, which we know as the Sabbath day commandment, he actually goes into some detail and he offers some explanation. And so that's what we're going to focus on today. You might be familiar with this. this. This appears in Exodus chapter 20 and then also in Deuteronomy chapter 5, which is where we're reading it from. It's from the Ten Commandments, number four. God says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son, your daughter, your male or female servant, your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, or any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that we were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord our God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. This is God's word for God's children this morning. So the fourth commandment, as I mentioned, it's people think of this as the commandment about a day of rest, the commandment about observing the Sabbath, that one day out of seven is to be set aside for the Lord. But I want you to notice something as we started. He talks about the importance of rest but he also talks about the importance of work. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. So he's not just decreeing the importance of rest, but he says you shall work. You know, shall in this usage, like, like a judge's order or like a contract, is, does, isn't a suggestion or it's not permission, it's an instruction. You must work for six days, but then on the seventh day, you must take a rest. So in the law of God, he not only decrees one day as a day for rest, a Sabbath to the Lord, but he decrees six days as days of work. And both of them are, are integral to the law of God, compliance with God's will for our lives. And I think in this case, the law of God is pointing us... You know, all of God's laws, they all point us to the blessings of God. And I think that two of the blessings that God offers to all of us at some level are the blessings of work and the blessings of rest. And I know sometimes, some of us, we don't really think of work as a blessing. We think of work as, as a burden, as a curse, as something that we've got to do in order to get to the good parts of life. But I know probably 
most of us here have had a time in life, whether it was a week or a month or longer than that, that we were too sick to work or too hurt to work. And have you, if you've ever gone through that, when you finally get to the place where you're healthy again and strong again and you can get to work, you're like, oh, it's just so great to be back at work. It's kind of a funny, funny feeling. It's a funny thing to hear yourself saying, but, but it's really something you discover. Or you go through a protracted period of unemployment for one reason or another. And then when you finally get a job and you can go get back in the groove of working again and supporting yourself again and all those types of things, you realize that being at work and having the ability to work, having the physical ability to work, having the, the strength to work, having the opportunity to work, all of these things are actually gifts. So, so, so this is something that, that's integral to us. In fact, I think I, I've discovered that our work is more integral to our identity than most people are even aware of. I, I learned this. I've told this story before, but when I was a very young pastor, I'd just been hired by a church. I might not even, I think I was, was still just, just a youth intern. But uh, I remember one day I was in the office working, and this guy named Jim came in. And Jim was this gruff old blue-collar, big, big sort of tough guy who was a, a part of the church. He was, he was a deacon. He was very dedicated. But he came in, and he was completely devastated. And he went right to the pastor's office, the senior pastor's office, and they spent some time in there, and, and then he left. And then the pastor came out and talked to me, and he was shaken. He was shaken because this guy, Jim, who he'd known, who was a pillar in the church, was a, just a solid member of the church, a solid family man, had just lost the job that he had held for 20 years and, and uh, didn't know what he was going to do next. And he said, Jim was crying in my office because he just didn't know what his future is going to hold, how he's going to support his family. And, and you know, he, had, he had, had done the same thing and been in the same place for all this time, and now he doesn't know what's next. And that was the first time for me, that was like a, a lesson for me and a reminder to me that our identity and our significance is more wrapped up in our work than we even realize. And sometimes it's not until that's taken away from us that we realize how, how much we've built our life around that. And work is, is integral to us as humans and integral to our mental and spiritual health in an important way as well. I, I learned this back in my uh, years ago. I was very involved in a ministry called Market Street Mission. And it was a, a ministry that specialized in, in helping men who were addicted to drugs, who were basically on their last chance, where their next move was either jail or death, or if they recovered, maybe they could have life again. And so Market Street Mission took, took these people who were in a very desperate situation and put them on the path to recovery. And it was, as you can, when you dig yourself into a hole, it's not, it takes a while to get out of it, and there's many steps along the way. But one of the first steps they had for these men who were in the program was what they called work therapy. And it was just basically putting guys to work, putting, putting guys to work, doing menial things, doing basic things, so they could just understand the experience of being useful, of accomplishing some things, the discipline of following, following instructions and getting things done. Because, you know, I remember the director of the program saying to me, what we find is a lot of these, a lot of folks who are, are addicted discover that 
one of the issues that they have is they haven't yet learned how to work, haven't yet learned how to hold a job and, and the rhythm of life that goes with holding a job. And so there's not going to be a path for them to recover and participate in society until first they learn how to work. And so work is actually therapeutic. When you're in a situation where you can't work or you don't work for a certain, for, for whatever reason, one of the things that's, that, that's debilitating to all of us because we're made to work, made to be productive, made to be making a contribution to this world that we live in. So work is a gift, but rest is also a gift. On, on the Sabbath day, you shall do no work. And you know the feeling of working really hard and then getting something done and then realizing, oh, it's done, I can, I can relax. You know, there's the, the best rest that we get in life is after we've worked really hard for a day, for a week, for a month, and the project is done or, or the, the program is over and we can say, okay, now I can finally take a rest. I'm really going to enjoy getting a few extra hours, nights of sleep. I'm gonna, really going to enjoy channel surfing for, for a couple hours this evening because finally I don't have anything to do. Ecclesiastes 5.12 puts it this way, the sleep of the laborer is sweet. And, and then sometimes it is, it's just a, you know what he's, he's talking about when you're really tired, you really sleep well because, because you've exhausted yourself. So rest was, is a gift that God promised the, the Israelites. You know, remember the, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt and then God, God took them out and he was bringing them into a promised land. What he was promising the whole time is you're not going to be building pyramids anymore. When you get to the promised land, finally, you're going to be able to rest. And, you know, the Bible says that this is a, a gift of God. And just as much as work is a gift of God, the ability and the opportunity to rest when God gives it to us is a gift as well. Psalm 127 puts it this way. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, but God grants sleep to those he loves. God has designated that we need to, to work hard, but he's also designated that we need to sleep hard when the time comes, and both of these are from him. And the problem with us, you know, so work and rest, they're both goods. They're both things that we were created for and created to do, but the problem with all of us is we take the goods and make them into gods. We take God's gifts and put them in the place that God himself is supposed to be, and we come to become devoted to the gift rather than see, using the gift and seeing the gift as something that should point us through to the God that we serve. And... Uh, you know, when rest is elevated, we spend our whole life just thinking about rest. There was an old song in the 80s that talked about how everybody's just working for the weekend. You know, it's like, like, like the, the five days a week is just a, a barrier to get to the next weekend we can finally live our lives to. And, uh, and so we, a lot of times, you know, we pretend we're unable to, to work or, or other people on the other side of things is... And, and this is sort of a popular movement today, this idea of, uh, of retiring as early as I possibly can, even if it means just living much more frugally while I'm working and living fru more frugally after I'm working. The whole goal of work is just get to a place where I don't have to work anymore. 
So rest is a part of life, but it's not supposed to be the whole goal of your whole life. And that's, that's what you need to understand. I was doing my word study, just, just going through on, on the concept of rest in the Bible. And you know what the most often, uh, the, 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 the most frequent usage of the word rest in the Bible is? It's when he's referring to someone who's died, you know? He went and rested with his father. You know, and, and, and over and over again, it's, as you're reading the, the story of the kings, the story of, of various prominent people, it ends with, he went, he went and rested with his ancestors. And, you know, we use the, the word the same way in our, in, our, uh, in our diction today. We say, rest in peace, right? When someone, when someone has passed, may, may they rest in peace. Because if all you do is rest, then you're basically just dead. Because it's... It's through our work that we make an impact on the world, or it's our work that we make, make a difference in the, this world. So on the one hand, we make rest into an ultimate, and then you know, which is, is the end of life at one level. But also, and prob- probably for you people, for most of you people, work is really the issue. And work is a great competitor for God, especially in New York City. I don't know what it is about this area, but it seems like what I've observed is, is all the workaholics in the whole world eventually find them their way to New York City, and then you all have to work with them. And so my, my condolences to you. And, and it's just a, kind of a unique deal for this area. But I've, I've just noticed that. You know, that you meet people from... Uh, from, from London or from Tokyo or from Texas or from California. But once they get to New York, they're all the same. All they do is work. And, and you know, I, I just want to give you a report from the front. It's not like that everywhere else in the world. So you don't, it doesn't have to be this way. Uh, some, someone who I knew, know, know really well went from working in New York City to uh, took, took an assignment in London. And, uh, and, and she said it was such a shock to her because she had this team she was responsible for. And she'd say, okay, guys, it looks like we're going to have to work late tonight because we got this project due. And everyone would just get up and leave at 6. And, and, then, then, uh, and then, then, you know, they'd be working away under a deadline. And lunchtime will come, and everyone just gets up and leaves the office. And they're gone for a whole hour. Can you imagine that, taking a whole hour for lunch every day, no matter what's going on? And... Uh, and then and sometimes, you know, you have something due on Monday, so you're like, it looks like we're going to have to come in on Saturday. And they say, no, we don't. And they don't come in. So, and that's, that's, uh, that's work in London. You know, initially she thought it was crazy, like, and then she realized, this is amazing. I can actually get a life. I can have a social life. I can get interested in things other than just working all the time. What a concept. So, uh, you know, the, the challenge with work is it can be a blessing. It can be something that takes over our life because as we work, sometimes if you're good at what you do, what you discover is you, you gain influence, you gain respect, you gain money and power, obviously. And, and a lot of us get a lot of feedback through our work and a lot of, a lot of a great sense of meaning and significance through our work and even an intoxication with getting things done and accomplishing things and winning at our work and how, however that's defined. But the other side is sometimes we get so sucked into that that everything else in life goes downhill. 
And oftentimes, the reason people work so much is because their social life and their spiritual life and their physical life and their family life is, is falling apart. And so the way what we, what we do is we just focus in on work as the one thing, because it's the one place where we get positive feedback, the one place where it feels like we're good at something that we do. See, God wants work to be part of our identity. He wants work to be something where we are making a difference in the world, but he doesn't want it to be the totality of our identity. Because when that happens, it's, it becomes a pathology for us. And I know you all, you probably most of you work for someone like that. So, so that, that's the challenge that we face. But God gives us a way to find balance. He gives us a way to manage these things. And the way we do that is by taking a day off. Six days you shall labor, do all your work, work really hard, but then show that work isn't everything for you by taking a day off. You know, in in, uh, Deuteronomy 5, he quotes... uh, he, he, he reminds them of their history. He says, remember that when you were slaves in Egypt, the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. He says, remember, when you were slaves, you didn't get a day off. What part of being a slave is you've got to work all the time. Whenever the master cracks his whip, you're out there and you're working. And part of exercising your freedom is saying, I'm functioning with boundaries now. Six days I labor and do all my work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord. So that means if you have to work seven days a week, if you let yourself get in a situation where you're working seven days a week, you're still a slave. You haven't yet found your path to freedom. When we work for God, God wants us to work for him, but, but he wants us to do it by finding balance between our work and our rest. And the way we do that, how we, how we balance this, is when we recognize that ultimately, the way that we work is we work for God. Colossians chapter 3 puts it this way. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. This is a verse that summarizes what some people call the Protestant work ethic or the Puritan work ethic, or we could just simply call it the biblical work ethic, that, that our mundane jobs, our, our workaday life is a way that we honor God, a way that we glorify God just as much as coming to church or reading the Bible or... or uh, doing good deeds. You know, and you think about it this way, from God's perspective, even the most menial jobs, the most insignificant jobs are key to keeping our world working the way that that it has to work. For for example, if, if your job is simply to pick up the trash in the park, you're actually someone who's working hard to keep the park useful, because it seems like there's some people who make it their job to just throw trash on the ground in the parks around here. And so, so if there weren't people who went through and picked up the parks and, and cleaned up the parks, those parks would, would quickly become something like a dumping ground. And 
you know, it's, it's really a truism in every city that the garbage men and the sanitation workers save more lives than the medical doctors in the city because it's those mundane things that make cities and make our lives livable. And so it doesn't matter if you have a, a, a mundane job or if you have a job that's very weighty and powerful and significant and lucrative, under God, all, we're all the same, and under God, we all can do our work for the glory of God. And, and that's a mindset that anybody can adopt about any job, I, I believe. It's a mindset or a discipline that we can, we can commit ourselves to as we, as we live our lives, or it's a mindset that we can fall out of regardless of our job. Now, I must make a disclaimer. As a pastor, I, I believe I have the best job in the world, and it should be the most natural thing for of anybody. It should be a natural thing for me to remember that I work for God. But, but let me say this. Hopefully, you won't think less of me, but, but every week, there's things that need to get done, and there's meetings that need to happen, and there's projects that need to be completed, and there's there's messages that need to be replied to, and there's preparation that needs to be done, and, uh, and a message that needs to be written. And, and it's not hard for me to get to a place where all of my jobs, all of this work, just feels like more chores that I need to do. And I just need to remind myself, oh yeah, this isn't just, just things I need to do. I'm doing this for God. But what the Colossians 3 says is, regardless of what you do, Regardless of, of what your job looks like, you can remember and you can have a mindset that, I, that I'm doing this as unto the Lord. I'm doing this all for God. And that's what, that's what the Puritan work ethic is, is uh, calling us all to, to pursue. And so, I, I, but, but at the same time, we see rest as, work as a gift of God, work as a way of serving God, but at the same time, Rest is also a gift of God and a way of, of exercising our faith. You know, it, it's, I know if you, have a, if, you, if you own your own business, if you have a particularly demanding job, you're in a particularly demanding field, sometimes the scariest thing to do is to turn off your phone, to not go into the office, to say, this is something that I'm going to get to another day. But what... It, you, you know, and to believe that even if I don't answer this phone call, even if I don't take care of this right now, my job and my future and my family are going to be okay. But when we take a rest, we're actually exercising faith. When we observe a day of rest, we're exercising faith that God's got this, that God ultimately is going to provide for us. And, uh, you know, th this, is, this, is what, th this is what exercising faith looks like. Bill Gates speaks for a lot of people. This is actually a 20-year-old quote. I think the guy has changed quite a bit. But he said, just in terms, in the 90s, he said, just in terms of allocation of time and resources, religion is not very efficient. There's a lot more I could be doing on Sunday morning. Have you ever worked for someone like that? Religion is just not very efficient. There's a lot more you could be doing on Sunday morning. I mean, why are you, you sitting here listening to me? But, uh, and the reason is, it's a step of faith. It's believing that God is going to guide and provide. Contrast that to what Peter Scazzaro is a, a pastor in Queens, and he writes this. The Sabbath rest calls us to build doing of nothing into our schedules each week. Nothing measurable is accomplished, 
By the world standards, it's inefficient and unproductive and useless. As one theologian stated, to fail to see the value of simply being with God and doing nothing is to miss the heart of Christianity. See, when we spend time in rest and spend time in worship, it's actually a way we exercise our faith. We show that we believe in something beyond what's right here and right now. And the other side of this I've, I've noticed is that sometimes when we're busy all the time, it's not really a sign of devotion. It's a sign that we're just disorganized, that we haven't gotten our lives and, and our work life under control and we're not managing it well. And I, I learned this uh, years ago. I lived in Germany for a time. And the interesting thing when I lived there, I don't know if it's still this way, but on Sunday, in fact, from Saturday afternoon to Monday morning, everything was closed. And I mean everything. You couldn't, you couldn't get gas. You couldn't get milk. You couldn't get eggs. You couldn't, couldn't really do anything. All the retail stores were closed down. But you know what that meant? you learned real quickly that on Saturday morning, I better make sure I've got gas in my tank. And on Saturday morning, I better check the fridge and make sure we got the food that we're going to need. Because we're not going to be running around and, and, uh, and filling up our car. We're not, not going to be running out to the store to get, get stuff for lunch on Sunday, on Sunday morning. And so you learn to organize yourself. And somehow, you know, the German economy continues to thrive even though they close down everything on Sundays. And I think you know, even though Americans don't operate that way, you know, that, that's a challenge for all of us. And it's, it's, it's not a challenge to do less. It's just a challenge to be more organized, to be more focused, and to create boundaries around our life by faith so that we have a space that God himself can fill. And ultimately, from a Christian perspective, we set aside one day a week for the purpose of doing what we're doing right now, worshiping God, reminding ourselves that Jesus is the source of the living water for, that, will, that will cure our thirsty souls, that God's great name is what we praise, and that we can come to God in prayer, and that we do need to listen to his word. Because, you know, as we're, as we're, we're in the weeds of life and we're, we're looking down at what's before us, we forget sometimes to look up and remember why it is we do what we do. And so God knows that that's the tendency of all of us. So he reminds us to spend a day not, not just chilling out, but worshiping and praying and reconnecting with him. And because, because that perspective change is only going to happen if we're working at it. Uh, so the promise of, of scripture is that our ultimate rest, though, comes from God. You know, one of the things about life in, in our economy is that we depend on the work of a lot of other people. All of us do every day. I mean, we're all wearing clothes today, and I, I, I would imagine that with very few exceptions, none of you made your clothes. Someone else made these clothes, and, and you acquired them somehow. I was thinking just even of a pencil. You know, a, a pencil like this is like 25 cents. But if you had to make a pencil, how long would it take you to make this so that you could write stuff? I think for most of us it would, for most of us it would take quite a while. But, but, you know, there's someone out there who does nothing but make pencils all day and sells them for 25 cents each. And because he does that, he's able to convert those pencils into, 
into the income that, that feeds his family and provides his life for us. And then, then at the same time, we depend on his labor so that when we need a pencil, we can buy one for just an incidental amount of money. Or in my case, I just, just uh, steal them from people. But, <laughs> but, I, I, but, but we're all, but all of us, you know, this is what makes our economy work. You know, if we were out in the woods on our own, life would be much harder. But we're all depending on the work of others. That's, that's how, how, what makes America great, what makes America work, what makes America prosper. And we, we do, you know, the interesting thing I find of dealing with, uh, with people is that anyone who works for a large corporation who has a particular specialty asks, so what do you do for that company? And they try to explain it to you. And, and you, you really can't understand what they're talking about. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry I asked, you know? Because, <laughs> because, because everybody these days is so specialized, or most people are just so specialized in what they do that if you're not involved in their industry or part of their company, it's hard to even comprehend the role that they play in making that company work. And that's, that's the economy that we are all a part of. I mean, the promise of Christianity, what the Christian faith calls us to, is to recognize that the most important work, the most essential work, is not something that we do on our own strength. It's not something that we accomplish, but it's something that was done for us by our Lord Jesus Christ. And what he wants you to do, what he wants me to do, ultimately, is to learn how to rest in him. And that's the essence of the Christian life. The gift God offers us through the work of Jesus is to be able to rest in him for our hope and for our salvation. Jesus says in Matthew 11, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says ultimate rest is not something we're going to earn. It's not something we're going to find on the weekend or even if we go on a really awesome vacation or even if we're able to retire early with plenty of money in the bank. Ultimate rest is something he earned for us, and we simply need to trust in him. We simply need to look at him. You know, work is frustrating and limiting, and I know even the best of careers, well, especially the best of careers, were subject to, to burnout and lots of conflict and, and relationships that are difficult and painful. And as you stick with, uh, stick with your job, sometimes you, you bump up against the, the limits of what you can do, and, and we experience failure, we experience setbacks, or sometimes What's, what's uh, particularly disorienting is when something happens in the global economy or something happens in your company that really you had nothing to do with, but it results in you losing your job or taking a big setback. And, and as we work, we're experiencing the blessings, but also it grinds the very life out of us. And what the Bible says is ultimately our longing for rest is a longing and a desire that's only going to be fulfilled in all of eternity. Moses brought the slaves, the, the people of Israel, they were slaves in Egypt. He brought them out of Israel into the wilderness. And then Joshua's job was to bring them into the promised land. And, and there, 
always the carrot in front of them, the incentive they were looking forward to is one day you'll find rest. One day this hard journey is going to be over. One day the struggle is going to be over. One day the battles are going to be over and you'll be in the promised land, the land flowing with milk and fun honey, and you'll finally find rest. But, you know, the story of Israel is they never really found that rest. It was just one struggle after another. Some of it was brought on by the the nations around them who attacked them. Some of it was brought on by their own failure or the, the misrule of their kings. But, but, but they never found the rest they were looking for. Hebrews 4 tells us why that was the case. It says, if Joshua could have given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Promise of the gospel is that one day the rest that we're all looking for, the rest that we're all longing for is going to be fulfilled. And it's not going to be a spectacular vacation. It's not going to be a long, healthy retirement. It's something even better. It's when we come into his presence knowing that we belong to him. That's what your hearts are longing for. That's what he will promise you, that what he promises you can have one day if you rest in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the work of Jesus, that he did accomplish our redemption. And I pray that you would help us to rest in him and help us, even in the midst of our exhaustion, our frustration, and our struggle with our careers and with our work, help us to realize that our ultimate hope, our ultimate rest, is in you and is in all eternity. Help us to look forward to that, we pray in his holy name. Amen.